Well, hello, I'm here with fans. Today we have Randy Browski. He's a filmmaker in Alberta. He's been in the industry for 20 plus years, and we just caught him on the phone. You might have seen him win a Rosie Award uh, this past April, I believe it was, in Edmonton, and we met him there, and then again we saw him at the Banff Media uh, World Media Festival, and we had to chat with this charismatic filmmaker that has a very interesting project, Necessary Evil, that won a Rosie for their script writing, which he himself wrote the script, and he actually stars in the uh, under 30 minute uh, project. So we want to learn more about him and how he got to where he is now. Hi, Randy. Hey, How are you doing uh, since the Rosie Awards? Uh, good, uh, busy, but good, still, uh, I put the rosy on my mantelpiece and I still walk by and blow it a kiss every time I, I do. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're trying to, uh, leverage that and other experience and networking into a whole bunch of other things, including more work for necessary people. So it's, it doesn't feel like I'm doing a lot, but I've been really busy. How does it feel to be a Rosie Award recipient? What does that really mean to you and your production company? Well, it's, it's huge. I mean, just the just getting that sort of third-party validation. I mean, I, I started life as an actor. I'm still an actor, and so getting validation is, is big for me. I, I'm an I'm a approval-seeking junkie. As so, all artists are, because exactly. you're putting so, out your art for people to resonate with and connect with. And that's, yeah. I really see, when I met you the second time, how open you were to chatting about what you're up to and how much you're happy to be a part of this industry. And for people who are trying to start in the industry or are struggling looking at people like you who are getting those accolades, it's very inspiring for people to see, well, how did they make that happen? So we kind of wanted to chat with you about your experience being an actor to being your own filmmaker and how you really got there. Well, a big part of it is um, just I went to Cedar School, Redrick College at a couple of years back and um the one thing at least at that time that they didn't teach you is that you're the best opportunities you you have are going to be the ones you make yourself uh. and so after a while of uh you know not getting called by major theaters or by steven spielberg to come and be in their movies or plays or whatnot <laughs> i said well i'll start making my own i'll write them i'll direct them i'll cast myself whatever um and so I spent a number of years actually with a theater production company. <laughs> and I told myself the entire time, I, I, I didn't want to produce theater. It's just a way to get my opportunities to write directly on stage, et cetera, et cetera. But I sure don't want to produce films. Producing theater is hard enough, and I hate it already. So the last thing I want to do <laughs> is produce films. So here I am a couple decades later going, screw it, I'm going to start producing film. <laughs> It's, uh, again, Steven Spielberg still doesn't have my number on speed dial, so uh, I'm going to do it myself. And, and I think that's, that's the important thing. We're in, a, we're in a great position now with technology in that 
anyone can come up with content and there's no excuse not to come up with content you can you could technically shoot a feature video or feature movie on your phone so the excuses uh to get out there and try it are, are disappearing so i mean the biggest thing I, I think is like i wish i wish the technology was available when i was out of college because we'd have been making movies all the time uh, most of them would have been crap, but we would have been making them, learning from them, and making the next ones better. And I just, I feel like I missed 20 years of career development in that field because I didn't have what we have today. Hmm, that's very interesting that you say that. Um, so for new filmmakers, you think it's actually easier to be able to start just learning the process and doing their own so that's, yeah, that is something interesting that uh, most people in your generation weren't able to do. But where you are now, um, I rem everybody was chatting about Rutherford Manor and you, because you were, uh, you, you know that group, I, I was assuming you were working with them, but you're doing your own. But you worked with Kimberly uh, Philpot, who is in Rutherford Manor, is that right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So how did you get involved? You're in the Edmonton scene a little bit too, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so what would you say how the industry is in Edmonton compared to Alberta even? Uh, well, not having a chance to work directly with people in Calgary or in some of the smaller communities very often, um, it's hard to really do an apples to apples comparison. But um, of the filmmakers I know in Calgary, there's, there's a lot of talented people uh, all over the province. Um, um, there's, there's, a, there's a real entrepreneurship in filmmaking because no one is walking into Alberta saying, oh, hello, you would like to make a film? Here are the steps, here's the process, here's how you do it. Everyone is figuring out themselves mm. and what I like but what I really admire about certainly the Edmonton industry and certainly as much the Calgary industry as I have had the privilege to connect with and, and people around the province is that because everybody is trying to piece these things together, everyone is really generous and willing to share how they did it or how they're doing it or what their challenges or what the little successes are with each other. So the industry is really, um, it's not a lot of competition that's not common in a lot of places uh, and in a lot of industries. But here, certainly in Edmonton, I feel like, and I, I rely heavily on it, is that the, the film industry isn't a, oh, I'm not going to help you because then you'll get ahead of me. Uh, yeah. Generosity is just tremendous. And if you're having a problem with something, there are a number of people you can talk to who will say, well, let me see how I can help. Um, and and that's, that makes all the difference in the world. Well, I've certainly noticed your uh, group of people in Edmonton making a big name for themselves within the Alberta industry and the Calgary scene. You guys have kind of come through and connecting through um, certain actors or whatnot. Tyler Duffy, we, can, we interviewed him as well. Yes, and uh, Morgan LeBlanc, he's also um, one of our cover stars, actually, from Core Values. And we felt like... We wanted to reach out to the Edmonton uh, network because that's actually where the Rosie Awards are held a lot of the time, and it's our capital in Alberta. So we love to support Edmonton as well 
because there, you know, there's kind of a handful of filmmakers, I'd say, that are really, really making it. And uh, you're definitely one of them. We see you on the rise and we're really excited to see more projects from you. We'd like to know more about Necessary Evil, how that came about, and where where it's going to go, potentially. Right. Necessary Evil is going to chewing on for a long time. Um, actually, its, it's roots go back to a comedy fringe show I did back in 1998. Sorry, 96. No, 98. Somewhere in the you know, early 90s when we were writing our scripts on chunks of stone with chisels, you know, back in the old day. Um... And uh, we had done a sort of comedic, philosophical, what if heaven and God and angels are actually like this instead of what everybody thinks. And ever since that show, which did really well, um, I've been wanting to say, okay, well, what if we take the theology of hell and forbid us on its head and see what that's going to be? And so some of those ideas were percolating in my head since the, the fall of 1998. And then about... Five, six years ago, while uh, colleagues and I were trying to produce a film, um, I realized that uh, like we had a film that was based on a short that we had written for ourselves. And now trying to produce a film where we're going to have to put a star in it, the best role for the star is the role that was supposed to be for me. So here I am producing a film where I can't even be in it. I thought, okay, I've got to start building my own profile as an actor so this can happen again. Uh, let's do web series. Everyone's doing web series. Let's do a web series. And let's uh, let's set it in a contemporary scene, like an office, an office building. There's office buildings all over the place. And so that idea of something small and portable and, and really sort of based in reality <laughs> uh, meshed with this idea I'd had since 1998, and I started developing Necessary Evil. And spent about a year coming up with the treatment and the shape and sort of what was going to happen in that first season. The first season was written as 15 episodes. Um, and then put together the script and then started figuring out how I'm going to shoot this. I'm going to pay for it out of pocket. Can I find any money? And it was at that moment, almost literally at that moment, that I tripped over Story Hive's, uh, the Story Hive program and found out about their grants and their process. So... I applied for that, got a grant for $10,000 to shoot our pilot episode, and then a year later I got another grant, a new digital short, so I did a spin-off um, story in the Necessary Evil universe, so I can keep feeding the fans more content, I can build up more characters, and that's called Recruiting Hell. Uh, then a year after that, out of my own pocket, I did uh, something called the uh, Elevator Project, where Instagram had just changed their video limits to one minute from 15 seconds. And so we shot 100 minute-long videos set in the, the universe of, of Necessary Evil, set in the elevator at the corporation, LLP. And we had a team of 10 writers, a group of 10 actors, and a support team, and we just cycled through it. Spent five minutes getting each shot done and then sending it off to editing and then getting it posted on Instagram. And basically, we got on set at 6.30 in the morning and posted the last video 20 after midnight and had a long day creating more content for the universe on a completely different platform. And then after all that work and the audiences that we built with it, when the Story High 100,000 edition came out, we knocked on their door and said, hey, can we apply? And they said, sure, apply. And then we 
shot it, and that's where we got the funding to shoot the first six full episodes, which is what we've been showing all over the world at festivals now. Wow, that is quite the story. You have been working really hard at all those steps. It takes those steps. I think a lot of people need to hear stories like yours about how you became successful because people in entertainment, uh, a lot of the time from the outside in, think that it's just that process of being on TV and, oh, look, they made it. They don't realize how much of your life and time and creativity that you've poured into it. So that's that's really great to hear all that. I heard someone say once, uh, it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. Yeah. Right? I see that a lot about the big stars. It did take them 10 years, but then they're in the game. And that's the whole thing of being in this industry it's a job it's our career it's what we want to do for the the long haul it's but to even stay within the industry and be relevant that's a job making sure that happens in itself like yeah actually making a project that is seen within your industry you know the rosie awards is a huge thing for alberta um you know the presentation where they presented uh uh, a Lifetime Achievement Award for Fred Keating. I think that's more than just uh, being famous and everybody seeing it. Yes, you want all the fans to see it, buy it, all that stuff. But the accolade of your peers seeing that you have worked hard, I think is really uh, something that people could see that and go, you know what, maybe one day if I work hard enough that I'll get that accolade. And he- he didn't even know he was going to get it. You know, he didn't. It was lovely to see the surprise on his face when uh, they called him back up to the stage and said, oh, by the way, it's you. That, how did that feel, going up on stage? It was beautifully... Be- the stage was gorgeous. And when we saw you up there, we had seen your face before and your hair, your, your kind of long, curly hair. And... Um, we were, we were like, oh my goodness, th- wow, look at him rise. And we were really happy for you because uh, the project that you've been working on, I feel, is very unique. So we're really looking forward to what you have coming up next and uh, where can people find you on social media to keep following you? Well, Necessary Evil is uh, is on Facebook. You want to look up Necessary Evil, the series. Yep. If you type in Necessary Evil and something pops up about a gang enforcer, you've got the wrong show. Because <laughs> okay. um, there is another Necessary Evil on Facebook. Uh, but you can you can clear all that up by just going to NecessaryEvilSeries.com. Okay. And all the links to our social media are there, and the trailer is there, and the episodes are there. Um, all of our older projects are all there, so you, you can basically that's your one-stop shop to get to find out what necessary evil is and what it's about, and then you can jump off to the Facebook page and, and see what we're doing as we do it. Get updates. We're going to be traveling to uh, Seoul here in a couple of weeks because we got accepted into the Seoul Web Fest, and so we're we're going to be going there. So we'll be tweeting and Facebooking and Instagramming from there. And then we got accepted into the uh, Bilbao Series Land Web Fest as well. And so we're going to 
going to that one too because we have nothing to do but spend a whole lot of money on international travel. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations on that. I know that's a lot, but getting out there to different networks is so key. Now that you've kind of established a name and your project here in that way, it's time to get out there and meet new people for potential distribution. And, uh, you know, maybe you'll meet new artists that you're going to collaborate with. You never know. Getting into exactly. festivals is a huge thing because the circuit is very similar people throughout the years, you know, coming and going, of course. But uh, for next year and next year, you know, you, you could get in again for again and again. So it's yes. kind of like people sometimes don't know how it goes with festival circuits and, and how they move on to the next level with getting their project out there. So hopefully people check you guys out and watch and can learn from you. And it's a big deal that you won uh, a Rosie Award this year. So hopefully we see you again uh, next year winning another one. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. I, I would be okay with that. I, <laughs> would you? I support that idea. Yep. yep. I can manage that quite, quite well. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Randy, for your time. Awesome. Thank you, Joe.